Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Inhuman, The Monster of Cleveland is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics including violence and abuse. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You need police, fire, or ambulance? I need police. Okay, and what's going on there? I've been kidnapped, and I've been missing for 10 years, and I'm, I'm here. I'm free now. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And you're listening to the best episode yet of Inhuman, the Monster of Cleveland. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> on May 6th, 2013... Ariel Castro left his house of horrors to go visit his mom, who lived nearby. And this was something he did often. He was always going over to his mom's house. But this time, he made a mistake that would end his 10-year rampage with these three women. And that's what we're going to tell you about today. Amanda heard her daughter Jocelyn running around the house screaming, Daddy's gone. Amanda was sure that she just wasn't seeing him because the bedroom door was unlocked which he never left the house without locking them in the bedrooms. Amanda was too afraid to go downstairs without permission, so she told Jocelyn to go check in the yard and the rest of the house. But then Jocelyn came back upstairs and told her mom that Castro's car was gone. And this is directly from Amanda's book. Quote, I freeze. No him, no car. Could this really be it? My chance to escape after all these years? Wow. What a, oh, yeah. Chills. What a, what a wild feeling she must have felt because he did trick them a lot. So this could be just right. another test, even after all these years, you know? Right. So Michelle remembers waking up on the morning of May 6th. Gina had already been awake and she was writing or drawing in her notebook. And Michelle sat up and began drawing in hers. She told Gina that she had a funny feeling, like a pit in her stomach she couldn't shake. Gina asked her if she thought she was pregnant. Pregnant. Bleh. Gina asked her if she thought she was pregnant again, and Michelle said no, not that. But then she just went back to drawing in her notebook and kind of like ignored that because she had a a feeling of dread, you know, right. not like a feeling of like, "Whoa, this is like about right. to be it." But she had she just had something, you know, like a gut feeling. But I don't think wow. she thought it was going to be good. Right. I mean, how could you? think that it was going to be something good yeah waking up in that shithole every day yeah exactly and I'm sure that they were I mean they were terrified as we'll talk about Mm -hmm. um but that just like made me like almost start crying happy tears just knowing what's coming about to happen yeah Yeah. so and also guys sorry for super giddy we are so excited about this episode (laughs) because it's so happy yeah So Gina remembers hearing Jocelyn from her room, her and Michelle's room, um, running around the house screaming that Castro was gone. And at first Gina was like, let's run. But then she remembered that Castro would always threaten them with tests, pretending that he was gone 
to see what they would do. And if you remember from Gina's episode, he actually did this to her like before she even went upstairs into the bedroom. Like one day he left when she just had a padlock and she tried to pick it and then he got really mad. Um, So, you know, he did this all the time. So she decided it was just safer to stay put. And she heard Jocelyn knocking on her door, but then Amanda pulled Jocelyn away. So Michelle and Gina just decided to stay put and they continued watching their Hillary Duff movie <laughs> that they were watching. Um, so Amanda was terrified. She checked the hallway and didn't hear any sign of him being in the house, but she was so scared worrying that he was trying to test her. Um, she didn't want to risk Castro killing her and raising Jocelyn alone. But then she thought about her sister, Beth, and how badly she wanted to just get back to her. She remembered how she had missed the chance to escape seven years ago in the van, like we talked about. Yeah. She decided that she needed to take the chance. She also noticed that the radio wasn't on, which was odd because he would always leave it on super high volume anytime he left the house. So she was sitting there almost frozen, going back and forth, thinking if this was a chance to escape or if it was a trick that Castro was playing. But then she thought, quote, I'm wasting too much time thinking. If he's really gone, I have to move now. So at this point, sorry, do you want to say something? I was just going to say, I wonder what his thought process was that morning. I wonder if he just intentionally, because I don't see him just intentionally doing it. You know, I feel like maybe he was in a rush or something. I actually remember from the book that she he later said like in the interview um, and I'll talk more about this when we talk about like his whole interview and everything but he had said that he was sick of or not sick of but Jocelyn had just continually been complaining about being locked in the bedroom so he just didn't want to lock her in the bedroom and that's why he left it according to him that's why he left it open Um, I mean as you'll hear in a little bit, the house was still kind of locked up. So it wasn't like they could just walk out the front door. Right. Um, and he probably and, thought he had them trained to just stay right, put. Exactly. Exactly. And he, which clearly he did because they were all nervous. And I think he also just was worn down and was like, whatever, I'll just leave it and it'll be fine. Yeah. So Amanda decided to not say anything to Gina and Michelle, partially because she was afraid that they would kind of rat her out if she tried to escape and it didn't work. But also, she didn't want anything to happen to anyone else. She didn't want anyone else getting hurt if she did get caught. So she just decided, like, I'll be the one to get caught if this is a trick or whatever. That's very noble of her, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So she told Jocelyn, quote, Mommy's going downstairs for a minute to do something, and I'll be right back. You stay right here in the room, but if Mommy yells for you, then come downstairs as fast as you can. So Jocelyn was anxious, and she wanted to tell Gina and Michelle, but Amanda kind of did her best to calm her down. And, you know, Jocelyn knew something was up because Amanda was never allowed downstairs without Castro around. Um, But, you know, she listened to her mom, thank goodness. So Amanda was still frozen in fear, and um, I'm going to read this part directly from the book because it's just, like, too powerful to paraphrase and explain otherwise. Quote, Mom, please give me a sign. Give me strength if the time is right. And just like that, I swear I feel something, like my mom is pushing me. I go. Hmm. So it's just, like, after being, she was so terrified, and she was like, Mom, give me a sign, like, 
And she gave her the strength to do it. That's crazy. Yeah. So that's like powerful. That's like, whew. I know. I know. I'm tearing up. I am too. <laughs> Get some tissues. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So Amanda headed downstairs. She was still terrified, but she was determined at this point. She didn't see or hear him, so she sprinted to the front door. And then she remembered that Castro had made, like, a little alarm system with a clock radio radio thing that he had kind of MacGyvered together. But she went for it anyway. She was like, at this point, I'm here. And she unlocked the door. And when she pulled on it, it opened. No alarm went off. And it was open more than she had ever seen it open before. Wow. So... She screamed for Jocelyn to come down and she looked up about to leave and she saw that there was a storm door chained shut. She had no clue that the storm door was there and now she was really freaking out with Jocelyn just as terrified. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, she was able to shove her arm out of the storm door and she started waving and screaming for help. Oh my God. Gosh, can you imagine, like, well, you know, we'll find out in a moment, but could you just imagine seeing someone's arm and, like, screaming for help? I would I be like, I don't know what I would do. I feel like my instinct would be, like, get away from that. <laughs> like, right. But, like, right. also, like, help them. Like, they obviously need help. Like, I don't know what I would right. do in that situation. Ugh. I know. So, Michelle recalls um, she heard Jocelyn and Amanda go downstairs and she assumed that Castro was there and that they were all going down to Castro's room where the three of them would sometimes hang out together. I think he would like bring them down to like watch TV and listen to music and stuff like that. Right. Um, after a while though, Michelle noticed that there were no noises downstairs and she actually asked Gina to turn down their music in their room just to kind of get a better listen. And then suddenly there was like pounding at the front door. Michelle thought, bleh. Michelle thought, oh my God, we're getting robbed. Wow. <laughs> Which is like so funny that that was her gut instinct. But like, yeah, who's going to be pounding on the door, you know? Right. So she went to their door and checked to see if it was unlocked. And it actually was. And for a split second, she thought, run. But then the banging got louder. So she turned and looked at Gina and said, hide. That's so scary. Yeah. I can't even, I have no words. Right. Like <laughs> being trapped in a house, if you were getting robbed. I mean, I remember when they were still in chains and they were worried about like, if the house was to set, get caught on fire, like right. what would happen? What would they it's do? kind of the same thing. Yeah. Like yeah. if we're getting robbed, we're screwed because we're stuck in here. Right. Like, <laughs> They're going to kill us and take, you know, whatever shitty things they can find lying around like trash and feces I guess I don't know if it was better than but <laughs> I mean yeah. literally that's what was in the house yeah so Amanda is waving her arm out the door yelling for help and finally a man walking by heard her and went up to the porch for probably what felt like an eternity to Amanda he just stood there confused and he finally tried to open the door to no avail when another lady walked by and kind of motioned for the man to leave the girl alone Bitch. um I know, right? I hate this older lady. She, like, I mean, go on somewhere. I know. Um, so both of these people, like, stepped away, despite Amanda screaming her name and telling them that she needed help. Yes, like, and, I'm Amanda Berry. Like, help me. Oh, my gosh. Right. I would definitely help her and, then. Yeah. Yeah. And the old lady actually told this other guy that's about to come up, and the first one told them that this girl couldn't be Amanda Berry because she was dead. 
So I, I'm just picturing was, this old lady being like, a Karen's dead. Like, there's no, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Karen. I don't care if you think she's dead. A girl who says that she's Amanda Berry, who is clearly in distress, waving her arm out of a locked door, you at least call 911. Like, yeah, it's never been confirmed that she's yeah. dead. So, right. like, shut up, Karen. Right. Like, right. Ugh. So finally, this other guy, Charles Ramsey, did not listen to the lady, and he tried his best to pull open the door, but it didn't budge. He was finally able to kick the bottom panel in, and then he says to Amanda, quote, finish kicking it out, mama. And I like, Amanda was talking about how she was confused, why, like, he stopped, but I think he also didn't want to, like, hurt her. Yeah. And so- She's, like, half hanging out the door. Right. Yeah. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So finally, Amanda kicked it out enough to crawl through and then pulled Jocelyn out. And Jocelyn was screaming, crying, terrified. Then Amanda says in her book, quote, we're out, but we're not safe. So she asked for a phone. You know, they had no clue where Castro was. He could have been next door for all they knew. Like, they didn't know where he was. And even though there were people around gathering, they still, she was not safe. That's their trauma. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's their trauma speaking. Yeah. So Amanda, uh, the guy that kicked in the door, actually lived next door and said that he had a phone in his house. But they they went up to it and Amanda was freaked out by like the dark, spooky looking house inside. So she she was like, I'm not getting trapped uh-uh. in another house. So she sprinted back into the street. People had gathered and she finally got a phone for from a woman in the street and she dialed 911. So we're going to play the 911 call for you now. I know you heard a little bit at the beginning of the episode, but we'll play the whole call here, and then we're going to discuss it a little bit. 5.51 p.m. 59 seconds, May 62013. You need police, fire, or ambulance? I need police. Okay, and what's going on there? I've been kidnapped, and I've been missing for 10 years, and I'm, I'm here. I'm free now. Okay, and what's your address? Uh, 2207 Seymour Avenue. 2207 Seymour. Looks like you're calling me from 2210. Looks like you're calling me from 2210. I can't hear you. It looks like you were calling me from 2210 Seymour. Yeah, I'm across the street. I'm using the phone. Okay, stay there with those neighbors. Talk to the police when they get there. Okay. Okay, talk to the police when they get there. Okay. Hello? Yeah, talk to 
to the police when they get there. Okay, I'm on the way right now. I need we're going to send them as soon as we get a car open. No, I need them now before we get them back. All right, we're sending them, okay? Okay, I mean, who's right the guy? Now? Who's the guy you're, uh, who's the guy who went out? Um, his name is Ariel Castro. All right, how old is he? Uh, he was like 52. All right, and, uh. Steven, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been on the news for the last 10 years. Okay, I got, I got that With here. Marina. I already know. <laughs> and uh, you said, what was his name again? Uh, Ariel Castro. And is he white, black, or Hispanic? I'm Hispanic. And what's he wearing? I don't know, because he's not here right now. That's when, he left, got away. When, when he left, what was he wearing? It's a So you can totally like hear the fear and the panic in her voice and that freaking dispatcher hung up before the police got there and he actually got reprimanded for that. Good. Um, yeah. He was I think you're that, yeah, he was a piece of shit. He was not doing what he was trained to do because I've heard other 911 calls and he was like so had so much disdain for her. Right. And like you're they're supposed to stay on the line until the police get there. Exactly. Um and his supervisor had also said that he could have shown more empathy and been more compassionate during the phone call. So he did oh. kind of get some shit for it, thank goodness. But yeah. Thankfully, there were people, like, around, so... Mm-hmm. People could stay with her. Yeah, yeah, but still. So, when the first police car pulled up, Amanda, Amanda ran to it, telling them who she was, and the officers, who were clearly shocked that they had found this girl that had been <laughs> messing for 10 years, they asked if there was anyone else inside. So, finally, you know, she told them the whole street was filling up with police cars and Amanda thought, quote, he can't get to us anymore. Mm. Like, how incredible of a feeling must that have been? Like, you notice he's gone, you're still terrified. You escape, you're still terrified. You're outside the house and call 911, but you're still terrified. And finally, that relief she must have felt when she was surrounded by police, knowing that after 10 years, she was safe. Right. A huge weight lifted, I'm sure. Yeah. So now from Gina's perspective, as you kind of talked about, they were in the room. They heard sirens, which was pretty normal. But then they heard someone climbing the stairs Mm -hmm. and they were like terrified that an angry Castro was coming their way. But then they heard people shouting Cleveland police. And like, I think at first they were still nervous. They were still kind of like, this could be Castro. This could be him like playing a trick on us but finally michelle bursted out of the room and yelled you saved us gina was still a little bit unsure um and kind of stayed back but she eventually peeked out and saw the uniform cops one holding on to michelle who had jumped into his arms yeah and once she saw michelle jump over to the female officer um she was like okay i'm gonna go I'm I'm safe. So when Michelle jumped into the female officer's arms, she was shouting, please don't let me go. Please don't let me go. To which the officer responded, I'm not letting you go. And it just like breaks and fills my heart at the same time because it's like she was so terrified but so happy and like oh. relieved. And can you just see like this tiny little Michelle? I mean, because she was 
what, four, seven, right. 80 pounds, like jumping into this female police officer's arms. Like, oh man, that, that yeah. police officer must've been just floating. That's all I can think. Just, oh yeah. You're yeah. just floating at that point. Cause you're like, this I'm is sure. not reality. Yeah. So then the other officer asked Gina her name, but when she told him, the officer just kind of looked shocked and Gina was like, he must not believe me. So she said, my name is Georgina de Jesus. He probably, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) I was just gonna say, he probably was like, oh my God, Amanda Berry and Gina de Jesus. We found both of them. And they had been like reported about together for a while. So like, yeah. Um, and this is from the book as well. Quote, he looks like as if he's just seen a ghost and says into his radio, we found them. We found them. Then he stares at me for a while and says, we've been looking for you for a really long time. That, that makes me actually chill. I know. I, that makes me literally cry because, I mean, if you think about it, like these detectives and these police officers and these people that are involved in the case, like, you know, you do grow some kind of fondness for the people and like even though you've never even met them like you feel so close to the case and to finally find them and know that they're not dead like that must have been so powerful and so emotional for the for the police officers too right and like as much hope as you can hold out that they're still alive after somebody being missing for so long like a decade. I'm sure it's, yeah, like in your mind, even though you're like, I hope they're still alive. I believe it. I'm sure in your mind, there's still a part of you that's like, but they probably aren't. So yeah. they're like, oh my God, they're here. Yeah. This is real. This is like, let me touch you. Are you a real person? Like, is this real? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so finally, Michelle let the cop put her down and another cop told him. <laughs> To grab their belongings, um, they changed their clothes and they gathered their notebooks. Um, but Michelle stated in her book that she turned to Gina and asked, "Can you believe it? We're free." They were laughing and crying, and the cops told them to leave the notebooks that they would gather them for them later. Um, Michelle thought about all the years she spent in the house and all the horrible memories, and she never looked back. I love that. Like, I mean, I feel like I would have just been so like, get me out of here. I'm not thinking about this house. And she's there like, wow, like she's actually reflecting on it in the moment. So the cops escorted the girls outside into the bright light. And, you know, there were lights flashing everywhere. um, And they brought Michelle and um, Gina over to the ambulance with Jocelyn and Amanda. And Gina asked Amanda, quote, you did this. You got us out. And Amanda responded, quote, yeah, I did. I was so scared. Then I thought of my mom and my sister, and I couldn't let any more time go by. So I did it. You know. <laughs> like, can't keep it together over here. Okay. <laughs> so another quote here from their book, uh, from Gina's, Gina's thought process. Wait until he finds out it was Amanda who got us out. It's the one you trust the most that screws you over in the end. I tell her. We both laugh at that. It feels real good to laugh. (laughs) Then Jocelyn called Gina by her real name, which she had never done, and Gina finally felt free. Wow. I know. So Michelle, now in the ambulance as well, saw Amanda holding Jocelyn, and Jocelyn said, Juju, are you okay? And Michelle began to bawl. (laughs) 
Then Amanda oh. reached over and grabbed her hand and said, we're free now. We're going home. I can't keep it together. I know. Ah, okay. I'm fine. Um, they all hugged each other and they cried. They couldn't believe that it was over. And as the ambulance pulled away, they were just, I think, felt so good. And they were finally off of Seymour Avenue for the first time in 10 years. 10 freaking years. Like, wow. That's like a huge chunk of your life. Like a huge, yeah. especially for the, you know, how young they, even, even Michelle, I mean, she was what, 21 when she was ab- yeah. abducted. That's such a huge chunk of your life for to be so young. That's, it's almost half of my life. Yeah, Like, exactly. it's two years short of being half of my life. Like So crazy. So in the ambulance, they gave Michelle an oxygen mask and hooked her up to IVs immediately. The paramedics discussed how sickly she looked as they rushed the girls to the hospital. Um, nurses and doctors came at them from every direction. Uh, they immediately began examining Michelle, and she was embarrassed because the hair on her legs was so long. Aww. I know. I was like... The things that you think about when you're actually right. out of captivity, because I'm sure she didn't give a fuck when she was in it, you know, like whatever right. my like hair is long because um, she hadn't been able to shave for years. She wanted so desperately to see Gina, Amanda and Jocelyn, but she wouldn't get the opportunity opportunity to because they actually ended up going home the next day. Um, according to the doctors, Michelle was, quote, at death's door. She had a million tests ran and the extent of her trauma was starting to set in. She was uncomfortable having male doctors or nurses care for her. She weighed less than 85 pounds. She had pretty severe nerve damage. She had permanent damage to her jaw from all the abuse. And upon arrival at the hospital had a nasty bacterial infection that was literally eating away at her stomach. Oh my God. I know. Wow. Soon after um, arriving at the hospital, Michelle started receiving flowers, gifts, and letters from people who must have been following her escape and rescue. This is, I know. And she was like so dumbfounded that like people cared, you know, after not being cared for for so long. And I'm so glad that she got that recognition and like, you know, like finally. Right. And I'm sure some of it, a lot of it was people who had been following her for the whole time. But I'm also sure some of it is like people who saw the news coverage and saw she was included. And even if they hadn't heard about her before, still like right. included her because she deserves just as much coverage and attention as the other two. I mean, she was exactly. in there for the longest. And yeah. I think she really had it. I don't want to compare them, but she no. had it very, very, very hard because of how much he hated her. Right. Right. Oh, that just makes me like it. Like I said earlier, it like breaks my heart and fills my heart all at the same time. Such an emotional roller coaster, as I'm sure it was for them, you know. Um, But but this is a direct quote. I cannot talk now. Okay, (laughs) I'm like all emotional and crying now. I can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a direct quote from her book. Quote. After feeling invisible for most of my life, I felt overwhelmed from all the attention. But she was grateful for the outpouring of love. Aww. Yeah. So a couple of days later, Michelle um, met with FBI agents and they asked Michelle a ton of questions. Um, they actually had all the notebooks from the girls for reference. Um, 
or yeah. they actually had all the notebooks and would reference them frequently. And Michelle wouldn't always remember the details, but she tried the best that she could. I mean, when you've been captive for over 10 years, I assume you try to blur out certain memories or forget them altogether. Right. And yeah, of course there are things a person can never forget after all the trauma as horrific as theirs. And your mind is a very strange place. I mean, people have, you know, de- or not dementia. What's the, uh, what's the other word? Um, when you lose your memory. Amnesia. Uh, amnesia. Yeah. Amnesia. People get uh, amnesia after tra- traumatic experiences. So, I mean, right. it's not, it's not surprising at all that she couldn't remember certain, certain events. Right. And, be- and on top of that, like they had no sense of time and like as much as they watched the news and stuff with everything being boarded up, like I'm sure days and months like flowed together. So it like makes it even harder to kind of figure out when things happened and what happened. And yeah. Right. Plus, I'm sure, I mean, I have like the most vivid dreams and will like dream about stuff and think that it happened in real life. So and I'm <laughs> sure that they had like vivid nightmares. Oh, so yeah. even just that and like trying to remember what what was real and what wasn't. like Yeah. Deciphering between everything. I mean, right. I don't think I could do that. Right. Me neither. So if you'll remember back to Michelle's episode that she has two twin brothers, um, Eddie and Freddie, and they actually came to visit Michelle in the hospital. She was too emotional to talk to them, really. Um, and actually, only one of them was allowed to come into her room, I guess, because of visitation or whatever. Oh, Maybe they were just trying not to overwhelm her. Um, and right. Freddie, Freddie was the one that actually came into her room. Um. She had so much to metabolize and work through, and she really just needed time and space. But Freddie gave her his cell phone number, and when he left the hospital, he told Michelle if she needed anything just to call, and she nodded. After that, she told the nurses and her lawyer she didn't want any more visitors. It's so and heartbreaking. I know, because, I mean, I get it, you know? And everyone deals with trauma and deals with grief right. and deals with emotions differently. So I just wanted to end Michelle's part um, with a quote from her book because it really pulled at my heartstrings and made an impact and really put some things into perspective for me, like as far as how she was feeling. But she said, quote, for 11 years, my life had stood still, but Cleveland and the rest of the world had moved on. Wow. That does put it in perspective. Because, I mean, that's really what it was. I mean, her whole, their whole, all of three of them, their whole lives were just crashing and breaking around them but everyone else you know aside from their families were just going on business as usual and that's life I mean yeah Yeah. wow okay so back at the hospital or on the day of the escape not at the hospital yet um Gina's mom Nancy was cooking dinner at her sister's house which was actually just a few blocks away from 2207 Seymour Avenue Um, because her sister was sick and resting, she had turned off the TV and her phone, but she heard commotion outside and moments later, her other sister burst into the house and shouted, they found three girls in a basement down the street. Wow. So Nancy was frozen, wondering if it was Gina. Um, they rushed down the street to the house and finally Nancy found Andy Burke, who was one of the FBI agents who had been working on Gina's case for the last nine years. And she was screaming, asking if it was Gina. And when he told her yes, she fell into his arms and they both started crying. 
I know. <laughs> At this point, the the ambulance with the three girls was pulling away, and so Nancy headed to the hospital. At the hospital, Gina was sitting in a bed being examined by a doctor when she heard her mom yell her name. They finally embraced for the first time in nine years, crying and smiling. And then Gina asked her, this is so cute, quote, Mommy, do you still make mashed potatoes, fried chicken, and corn? Like, that, she was like, I'm, I'm like, in my home with my mom, like. I know, and and that was, like, what she meant, like, not, you know, the only thing, but that was, like, the first thing she thought of, like, I want that, you know, after years of beans and rice and rotten food. Right. Um, So then Gina showed her mom one of the things she had taken out from the house, which was that missing flyer that we talked about in the last episode that Castro got from Nancy and had given to Gina. And at this point, Gina could tell that her mom was kind of starting to put it all together. Like, oh, shit, this is who did this. Like, oh, you can't. That... Like, he was in their face the most. Like, he was helping them look for her, giving them money, yeah. taking the flyer. Like, she must have been sick. Yeah. Like, sick to her stomach. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Gina, I didn't include this in my notes, but Gina said in the book something like, if if he was here right now, my mom would have killed him. Like, oh, yeah. That was, ugh. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So, also, one other little part that Gina mentioned in in the book and it just makes my heart swell she remembers all of the police and FBI agents in the hospital just all being so happy and some of them were even falling to their knees sobbing at the sight of the girls like some of these people had been on this case for years and years and the whole city of Cleveland like knew about Gina and Amanda and you know a lot hopefully some knew about Michelle as well and they must have just felt just as euphoric as the girls did seeing them finally not only like free but just alive like the fact that they were not dead right oh 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 o'reilly you need parts o'reilly auto parts has parts need them fast we've got fast no matter what you need we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Okay, so... Amanda was watching Gina reunite with her family and Michelle meet with a violence victim counselor. um, And she was just there with Jocelyn being examined. And finally, she saw her sister Beth walking down the hallway. And when they finally reunited, they held on to each other so tight and just started sobbing. And there's actually a really, really sweet picture of the two of them like hugging that we'll put over on the Instagram because it's just like, you can just see the relief and the joy in their faces. Yeah. 
Wow. And she was like waiting too. So I felt like that was even more anticipation. Right. So Amanda then introduced Jocelyn to Beth and her aunt and cousin who were also there. And then she asked how her dad was doing because he had been very sick. Thankfully, he was doing okay. And she was just like so happy that everybody was there. Um, So then the FBI agent Tim Kalanick came in. You may remember him from, I believe it was Amanda's episode. He was one of the main agents who was on Amanda's case after she went missing. And he said to her, quote, we've been looking for you for 10 years. And Amanda responded, quote, I know. I saw you guys on TV. Thanks for not forgetting us. Oh, I know. Wow. That's so, yeah, that's, and he probably had no idea, you know, they were watching the TV and seeing what was, what was unfolding. Right. Finally, Amanda got to shower in a giant bathroom. She was using all the hot water, soap, and shampoo that she wanted. And she remembered in the shower, the diamond stud that she was wearing in her ear fell out and slipped down the drain. And it was actually Castro's old stud that he had given her. And she said, quote, this seems like a fitting moment to have that little trace of him disappear forever. Wow. Yeah. I know. That's like metaphorical right there i know it's like god saying f you castro (laughs) flicking it out of her ear literally (laughs) yeah i know so that night amanda and her family got to stay in a giant suite at the embassy suites hotel with fbi agents stationed outside of their door um amanda talked to beth all night hearing about her mom and watching jocelyn play with her cousin who was the same age The next morning, they got to eat a giant buffet, and Amanda was in awe at all the food that she had right in front of her, and she just ate it all up. She was so happy. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. She didn't sleep until after breakfast, and she said for the first time since she was 16, she was looking forward to waking up. Castro, on the other hand, was just beginning his nightmare. And next week, we will cover everything that happened to him after Michelle, Amanda, and Gina made their miraculous escape. Yes. You won't want to miss this. There is some really awesome stuff, especially this awesome quote that the judge says. So you this is, this is going to be a wonderful episode, talking about finally getting justice and him getting all what the shit he deserves. He Exactly. I wish he would have, I wish like in these kind of cases, I wish like torture was still like a humane way to punish someone for something like this because he deserved to be tortured. An eye for an eye, right? I would agree with that. Yep. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed telling it. Yes. So so good so I'm so happy that like it feels like it was happening in real time for us and it just feels like finally like a weight lifted and like finally we have something to like be happy about because it was pretty you know dark and dire for several weeks so we're so we're so excited to actually have like something happy to to share with you guys yeah all right you guys thanks for listening we'll see you in the next one Bye. Bye. Next time on Inhuman, the Monster of Cleveland. 
Ariel was silent when the police approached while his brother was confused, assuming that their other but brother had gotten into trouble again. So they, so Ariel was just like quiet and then his other brother in the car was freaking out like, what the heck is going on? So that day he was interrogated and it was more the same shit. He talked about his childhood and his first marriage and how he was mentally sick. He was grasping at straws, but predator, whatever, you're still a sick person, a criminal. I mean, you're just a criminal. So when it was finally time for Michelle to make her statement, she stood up, hands trembling, but courageous, and she spoke. Ariel Castro, you took 11 years of my life away and I have got it back. I spent 11 years in hell. Now your hell is just beginning. We just want to thank you guys so much for listening. To see key photos from this episode, along with some behind the scenes, follow us over on Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast. If you're loving the podcast, let us know by subscribing and leaving us a review. It lets iTunes and other platforms see that you're enjoying our content so we can be discovered by new listeners. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode. Until then, keep it human. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.